This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill är så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Welcome everybody to episode 18 of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. The best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me, as always, is Brian Calm. Hi, Elon. Regular listeners might have noticed that we threw in a different theme song today. Brian found this great Swedish song about how Carlson's the greatest, so I thought, seems pretty fitting. Yeah, literal translation, Carlson is God, is what they're saying in Swedish. Well, he has been godlike in the Olympics so far. We'll get to that soon. Also, if you love the other music as much as we do, don't worry, that's still the outro music for the show. Phew. Let's start the show with the headlines of the week, and since it's the Olympic break, there's not too many non-Olympic-related headlines, but there are things that are happening in the Olympics that are going to affect your pool, and headline number one is unfortunate because we're going to talk about injuries. And of course, the biggest injury, Henrik Zetterberg might be out for the season. For the season? That's the word right now. It's possible his season will be over. I'll read you the comment about him on ESPN. Okay. Swedish doctor Bjorn Waldeback acknowledges a possibility that Zetterberg could miss the rest of the season, Greg Krupp of the Detroit News reports. And then it goes on. But yes, scary news for Zetterberg owners, such as myself, looks like we're going to have to be without him, at least for the majority of the fantasy playoffs. It's been a rough season for him. He's missed time earlier this year already. And I think, Elon, a few shows back, you mentioned something about how he might affect Gustav Nyquist too, right? Yeah, well, that's something I wanted to ask you about. If Zetterberg's out, how does that affect some of his teammates on the Detroit Red Wings? Nyquist is on the super hot streak, but most of his points have been with Zetterberg on the ice. Has he had his value take a hit with Zetterberg out? Well, it's hard to say. Again, like we don't have a huge sample size of him playing with Zetterberg or without Zetterberg. I guess there's two ways this could go. One way is that, yeah, I guess maybe he did rely on Zetterberg for points and can't score when Zetterberg leaves. Or this might be an opportunity for him to take a greater offensive role and carry a bit more of the load himself, and he steps up and answers to that. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to know which one it'll be, but for Nyquist owners, maybe you're in a bit more of a tenuous position than you were before Zetterberg got injured. Mm -hmm. And another player who is probably in a similar situation, maybe not as high profile, but Justin Abdelkader on Detroit, he has four points in his last four games playing on that same line with Zetterberg and Nyquist. He had six shots in his last game also, so this guy was starting to make some noise compared to what we're used to out of Justin Abdelkader. 
But yeah, he might also be someone to watch as he might have a slip now that Zetterberg's injured. Sure, and there were a few other injuries too, right? Yes, it's been scary. We talked about last week, we sort of were joking around like, the Olympics shouldn't affect most of your players unless you know it's... And we brought up this freak injury that Dominic Hasek had in 2006. But yeah, so another big name player who went down is Alex Barkov of the Florida Panthers. He's expected to miss four to six weeks and also there's potential for him to be just out for the rest of the season. Well, he wasn't exactly setting the world on fire before going off to the Olympics. He had just three points in his last 11 games, but that was preceded by a pretty good hot streak, but that was preceded by a really dry run. And that was preceded by a hot streak that started the season in his first 10 games or so. So he's been up and down this year. I don't think any fancy owners are really relying on him. At least you shouldn't be. And maybe if you're in a long-term keeper league, this is a good chance for you to try and get him on your team because I think in the near future, he will be putting up meaningful numbers on a consistent basis. I think one silver lining to this might be that this could increase the value of someone like a Thomas Fleischmann. Because if you look at the power play time for Florida recently, Barkov has been playing on the top power play while Fleischmann has been on the second one. So maybe Fleischmann gets bumped back up to the number one unit. Yeah, that's a good point, Elon. And the other Panther, it's worth mentioning, that's injured and possibly long term is Thomas Kopetsky, although he has a very small percentage of his team's power play time. On average throughout this season, he's at about 24% of their time, which for a forward is not even like quite second unit minutes. Yeah, but in general, rough news for the Panthers, but who knows if maybe this will give someone else an opportunity, like we're saying could happen with Nyquist, though my guess would be with Nyquist, he's actually just going to go down now. And Elon, before we close the book on that little Panthers chat we just had, let me throw out one more name for your consideration, and that's Drew Shore. Hmm. Now, this is mostly speculation on my part, because he hasn't had a huge part in the Panthers' offense this year. But last year, about 10 games into the season, he went on a pretty good streak. He went on a good run, and he was a fancy relevant player for a little while. He did fall off and like went pointless for almost the entire months of March and April. And this year, actually, surprisingly, he was sent down early in the season when I thought that he'd be a lock for the team. I feel like they haven't quite used him in the right way yet, and maybe with this injury to Barkov up front, he might see a chance. It's a real outside chance, but I'm just going to put his name out there so I sound really smart if by chance it does work out for him. Drew Shore, I'm going to put him on my watch list right now. All right, I'll do the same. Are we held accountable if you mention him and then no one ever hears of him ever again? No, we are not held accountable. All right, so you have a chance to sound smart and no chance to sound dumb. Sounds like a win-win. People, make a podcast. It's worth it. (laughs) I mean, or be in the mainstream media. (laughs) Controversy. (laughs) That's what we are. We're all about controversy, but I don't think that his name is too controversial. I mean, let's keep our expectations moderate. He has you know, five points in his last nine games, which is better than he's been doing all year. But again, maybe a marginal contributor to your fantasy team. Moving on to the second fantasy headline of the week. And people, you have to kind of keep in mind, this is the Olympic break here. We're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel or we're grasping a bit to give you good headlines. But here's a headline, Brian. Timu Solani has become the oldest player to ever score in the Olympics. That's amazing. Yeah, so my question to you is, and of course I want to relate this back to our fantasy hockey pool, Simu Solani is a free agent in my league. I'm sure he's the same in many others. Do you think he has a chance to make an impact down the stretch of the regular season? No, I don't. 
really. And that sounds harsh. And, you know, everybody loves Timo and it's hard to say that. But my opinion stands on him from what we said, you know, just a couple months into the season when he was scoring at a really impressive pace and then tapering off almost suddenly. And we sort of said that, you know, he's getting older, he's resting more days, and you can't count on him to contribute through the full season, especially with the Olympics. And I stand by that. But you know what the most interesting part of this headline to me is? I do not know. Oh, good. I'll tell you. It's that when you said Timu Solane was the oldest player to score in the Olympics, I was like, well, what about Yarmir Jagr? Yarmir Jagr is a year and a half younger than Timu Solane. That's how old Timu Solane is. He's a year and a half older than Yarmir Jagr. Hmm. That's old. I didn't know Jagr is the benchmark for age. Well, I feel like he's the benchmark for old age, especially since he left the NHL and came back. Since he came back, it's almost like he's a gray beard journeyman just, you know, taking his bag wherever someone will let him play. But he'd be another guy who I'd expect down the stretch to taper off a bit. And if you have him on your team and you're counting on him for production, you might have to start looking elsewhere for it. That's interesting that you mentioned Yarmur Yager, Brian. I actually wanted to ask you about your opinion on a trade that happened in my fantasy league right before our trade deadline. So basically just before the Olympics. Someone traded P.A. Parento for Yarmur Yager, and the guy who got Yager also gave up draft picks, right? So Yager was the prize in the trade, and it, I think it was like a sixth pick for a ninth pick, and he gave up Parento and got Yager. So my question is, is Yarmer Yager so much of an improvement over P.A. Parento that it warrants giving up a draft pick to make that trade? I feel like the difference between him and P.A. Parento over the rest of this year will be a smaller difference than what happens between the sixth round pick and the ninth round pick next year. So no, I don't think that's a great trade, even if you are trying to compete this year. Like I just said, I don't think Yager is the guy you should be going after. And we've talked about the situation Parento's in and maybe how it's not the best. There's another trade rumor since we last spoke that he is going again to Montreal. So there's a lot of unknowns with him still about where he fits with Colorado, if he fits with them at all. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, it hasn't been all that promising lately from him, but he's a proven producer. And I don't see him staying down a whole lot longer, especially as Yager, like I said, tires over the rest of the season. Although Yager has defied the odds everywhere else. So maybe there's a chance he pulls it out, but it's not a trade I would do. Yeah, that was kind of my thinking, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yager has been having an amazing season, we should mention. He's got 17 goals and 32 assists in 59 games. So definitely nothing to sneeze at, especially on the New Jersey Devils, which isn't known for their offense. Yeah, you're right. And me talking about him tapering off, don't get me wrong, it really is just speculation. His numbers were strong going into the Olympic break. He had points in seven of the 10 games leading up to it. So yeah, I don't know. You can't count him out. Like I said, not a trade I would make, especially for that big of a difference in draft picks. But yeah, could work out. All right. Well, that's it for our headlines. Normally at this point, we'd move on to talking about how Brian and I have done in our pools this past week and how that can relate to your pools. Not much has been going on, of course. So Brian, what should we talk about instead? Well, how about let's talk about, you know, if there is no activity in your league, does that mean you should just be sitting back and doing nothing? Well, you're listening to this podcast, so that's a start. Good for you. Yeah. Pat yourself on the back because no, you shouldn't be doing nothing. Now is a good time when you don't have to worry about daily point totals clouding your judgment. You can really step back and take a good big picture assessment of your team. We talked about preparing for the trade deadline a few weeks ago, and maybe now is time to finally activate 
whatever plans you came up with when you were doing that. Especially, like I said, I think, Elon, I don't know about you, but I tend to get caught up in box scores. If I see the same player's name a few nights in a row or I don't see it a few nights in a row, I panic. And we all make judgments based on a small sample size or a short streak or a slump. And they're not always the best ones. And now that nothing is happening, we've got a long time to really just look at where things stand, where we stand in our league, where each player stands on our team and trying to synthesize all that information to determine what we should be doing for the rest of the year. For example, I think by now you should really have an idea whether you're going to be a buyer or seller at your team's trade deadline. And based on that, you should have identified either the players you want to trade away or the players you want to acquire. And also we talked about last week what your personality should be when you are making trades. Are you going to be serious and super firm? Are you going to be open to negotiation? Are you going to be a crazy low baller that tends to just annoy people and hope for that, you know, rare grand slam where somebody accepts a trade that they really shouldn't. Like I've said, I already know who my targets are. I've proposed a couple trades already. And I guess I'm waiting to hear back. It's kind of awkward, though, Elon. I don't know if you have any comments on this. I proposed the trade, heard nothing back for a couple days, sent an email like 48 hours later, maybe still haven't heard back. And I know the guy's active on Twitter. He's talking to people. He's doing things. I know he's at his computer. What should I do? So yeah, Brian, it's a tough situation. It sounds like maybe you might have gone a bit against some advice that I remember you gave earlier on during the season, maybe episode four or five. I remember you said that if you want to make a trade with someone, sometimes it's useful to contact them first, sort of figure out what they're interested in, see what compatibility you two have as trade targets before actually offering a trade. I wonder if maybe you offered him a trade and he didn't like it. And so he just thinks now that you're not worth talking to. I hope that's not the case. And I did actually, I sent him a direct message on Twitter. As you know, I wanted Ben Bishop. So I sent him a quick message like, you know, what would you want for Ben Bishop? Or is it safe for me to make an offer for Ben Bishop? Are you ready to trade him away? And I got nothing back from that. So I I don't know. I don't know if I'm getting the, the cold shoulder. I mean, we did make a trade earlier in the season that I think benefited him in the long run, although he's on the outside of the playoffs and I'm at the top of the league. I don't know where he's coming from. I don't know how much to bother him, but I really want Ben Bishop. <laughs> I don't know, man. That sounds tough. I mean, you can't make him respond. I, at this point, you don't want to sound too desperate by just messaging over and over again, because then, you know, if he does want to make a trade with you, he, it puts him in the position of having leverage because he knows how desperate you are for Ben Bishop. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this show, actually. Yeah, hopefully not. Although hopefully, because we love having more listeners, but I'll call him out Matt. If you're listening, Matt F, please respond to my trade request. Yeah, Brian needs Ben Bishop, Matt. You could totally rake him over the coals here. <laughs> no, no, that's not the message. I have, <laughs> I've already added several other goaltenders to my watch list as plan B's, C's, and D's. I don't need you, Matt, but you want my picks. So who are your other goalies that you're going to target if you can't get Bishop? Well, there's one guy in the league who owns both Sergei Bobrovsky and Jimmy Howard. And while I'd really prefer Bobrovsky, I assume that's who he's going to keep. So maybe Jimmy Howard is a candidate. There's another guy who has Antti Niemi and Jonathan Bernier. He's going to keep one of those two. I'm not sure which one. If it's Bernier, then I'm definitely interested in Niemi. And there's another guy who has Cam Ward and Ryan Miller. Again, don't know who he's going to keep. That's a conversation that I might start with him, but I'd be interested in Ryan Miller. So, you know, Matt, I'm not really counting on you. There are lots of other people I can talk to. I've got options. I guess, but come on, Brian. Jimmy Howard, first of all, is having a weak season and with Zetterberg injured. I don't know if I like the Red Wings' chances. 
Cam Ward versus Ryan Miller, of course he's going to keep Ryan Miller, and Cam Ward is not even his team's starting goalie anymore. But Ryan Miller's getting old. I don't know. Maybe, you're right. You're right. Maybe I am being blindly optimistic. I'm scrambling. I really need help. Harding is like on the IR forever. And I'm not just going to count on Darcy Kemper and a tough Minnesota schedule for the rest of the season. Well, good luck, my friend. Yeah, thanks. And actually, while we're talking about trades, Elon, I noticed something when I proposed my trade for Ben Bishop in the URL of the trade. Would you like to know what it was? Okay, I don't know where you're going with this. Okay, well, when I looked at the trade URL, when I went to review it, after I proposed the trade, at the very end of the URL, you know, it had all the usual stuff, hockey.fantasysports.yahoo.com, slash hockey, slash my league number, slash slash whatever, slash view trade, question mark, T-R-I-D, equals 56. All right, so a parameter called trade ID, and your trade is number 56. Big whoop. Yeah, well, I think, you know, maybe it is a big whoop. Maybe it's not such a huge deal. But what I think is interesting is this last number in the proposed trade URL on Yahoo Leagues refers to how many trades have been proposed on your league. So I have proposed the 56th trade of the year. And I guess all I can really gather from it is how much trade activity there's been. I know I rejected a trade a couple weeks ago that was trade ID 54. So there was only one trade in between that one and this one. So I guess what I'm taking away from it is that there hasn't been a whole lot of activity. I'm not missing out on a whole bunch of negotiations. And there's not a whole lot you can tell. I tried, you know, like peeking at other people's trades by changing the number, changing the trade ID at the end of the URL. But I'm just getting error messages saying that trade is not currently pending. So I don't have access to those. But maybe if you're super paranoid and you don't want to be left out, and you're worried that a whole lot of stuff is going on, you can like propose a random trade and see how many other trades have happened so far in the league. And if you're really crazy, you can like do it every two or three weeks and really keep an eye on things. Well, that's a fun little hack in order to keep track of how many trades are being proposed in your league. All right, so let's move on to talking about some players. Uh, there's obviously been no NHL action, but Brian, who from the Olympics has stuck out to you? Well, I think you should all add Ziga Zeglic the Slovenian to your roster. He's put on an amazing Olympic so far. And well, actually, no, maybe he's not fantasy relevant. But two guys that I'd like to really seriously mention. Uh, one, Olimata, who we talked about last week, prophetically. Well, maybe not because it was also in hindsight looking at what he's done. But we noticed at least that he's been doing so well in the NHL, stepping up for the Penguins, and especially with Latang's absence, he might have an increased role, although Niskanen and Paul Martin probably have most of that locked down. But he's continued to produce as a member of the Finnish Olympic team. As of Sunday, February 16th, 2014, before the 16th game of the Olympics, which is when we're recording, Mata sat third overall in scoring, tied for third with three other people. And he's since been passed by Phil Kessel, who just put up a couple points against Slovenia. But, you know, it went Grabner in first, Carlson in second, and Mata tied for third. So good on him. And I think that's a good sign for all his owners who picked him up last week or had the foresight to pick him up even before then. Yeah, I guess it's interesting to see if Olympic play is actually prophetic, like you say, of what's going to happen at the end of the season. Like, I wonder if the Pittsburgh Penguins staff are watching him and saying, oh, okay, this guy should get some more playing time. Look how well he's playing. Yeah, well, I think he's getting a chance to play in a role with the Finnish Olympic team that he doesn't get to play as much in Pittsburgh. 
And the fact that they're going to be able to see this, especially Dan Bilesma is there coaching the American team. So maybe that's a good thing for him and his owners. The other player I wanted to mention is the player leading the Olympics in points, and that's Michael Grabner, buoyed by a hat trick that he scored. He's got five goals and an assist for six points in three games played. And just for context, you have to count back 22 games to see him score five goals with the Islanders. Or if you count from the start of the season, it took him 35 games to score that many goals with the Islanders. Keep in mind, he still only has nine goals and 11 assists for 20 points in 56 games this year. And this is also coming off two disappointing seasons previously. So I wouldn't get your hopes up too high on Michael Grabner, but I guess it is worth mentioning Good for him. And he's actually doing it with less ice time, although I imagine he's seeing uh, more offensive zone starts than he does with the Islanders. Yeah, it's always fun to see who's doing well in the Olympics that you're like, who are these people? And yeah, Michael Grabner definitely isn't someone who's lighting things up in the NHL, but good for him so far. I wonder if Austria has a chance to pull off an upset once we get to the elimination games. Super fans of Keeping Carlson know that we have an Olympic hockey pool going on. We set up a box pool on office pools. I'm not doing very well, so I was thinking we shouldn't even talk about it at all. But Brian convinced me, let's talk about it during this episode. So, okay, Brian, let's talk about all the mistakes I made. But seriously, though, it might be interesting to look at the different boxes and see which ones have been surprising and which player is actually in the lead. Yeah, let's start off with the standings. Elon, you're not doing too bad. I mean, you were before, but now you're up and tied for third. I only Are you even looking? No, I saw your tweet a couple of days ago. <laughs> and that made you not want to look. Yeah. If you don't see it, it's not true. Well, you are tied for third right now with fuzzy slippers in the bronze medal position. Olympic theme, right? Good one. I, the Flamingos, are sitting just one point ahead in second place and first place by actually quite a bit, by one of the biggest differential margins, is the unfortunately named Claker MacArthur (laughs) should be on Team Canada. I feel like it would be really embarrassing if you had that typo in your last place. I feel like it's just as embarrassing if you made that typo and you're in first place. Um, but sure, go Claker, Claker MacArthur. And actually, I'm going to give give props. That's That's my brother. So those are the standings right now. And obviously, they're subject to change. We're just getting started. But I thought it would be interesting to look at which players are excelling that were not the consensus picks among most of the people in the pool. Let's start by going easy on all our participants and see what we got right as a majority group. In every box, you choose one out of five players, right? So the ones that we picked as a whole, for the most part, and who are also at the top of the standings for each of their individual pools are James Van Riemsdyk, Phil Kessel, Eric Carlson, Oli Mata. So congratulations for most people who picked them. But a few have been surprising right now. Patrick Kane. Only a couple people picked him. The overwhelming majority picked Sidney Crosby, and he's way behind right now. But of course, it's early. Another interesting one, and I think an easy one to kick yourself for, is UC Jokinen. Maybe you wouldn't have picked him as being in the lead over all the other people in this pool, but I guess it's easy to see in hindsight why he might be crushing Chris Kunitz, who again, the majority picked, I guess thinking he'd be playing alongside Sidney Crosby. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the regular season standings, Chris Kunitz is far ahead of UC Jokinen, but... Yeah, Jokinen definitely has a higher role in the Olympics than he does in the Penguins. A couple of people who nobody picked but are leading their boxes, Ole Jokinen. 
He's leaning his bucks. Zach Parise was the consensus pick, and he is at the bottom of that box. Michael Grabner, who we already talked about, is leading his box. Nobody picked him. Almost everybody went with TJ Oshie. Unfortunately, shootout attempts or shootout goals don't count in the point standings. Uh, otherwise, he hasn't done a whole lot during regulation or overtime play. And I'm going to give props to whoever picked Jan Mersak because there was only one person who chose him over players who most people chose, like Mats Zuccarello and Damien Brunner. Mersak is leading his box along with Michael Roffel, who nobody took. That's a quick rundown on how things stand now. Again, we're only like a few games into the tournament. Some teams have only played two games. We'll see how well this all stands up by the time that the Olympic pool is through. I want to say specifically to Heem Team Jr. and Hepziba High, hang in there. You can do it. You're going to get back into things. <laughs> Let's answer one of our listener questions that we got. We got a question over Twitter, and I should point out our Twitter is at Keeping Carlson, and you could tweet at us and we'll answer your questions. Not only on the show, we actually reply to you. We try to help you out all the time. And this guy, we did help out, but let's read his question on the air and discuss. So, at BeefTings wrote, Should I trade MacArthur for Molson, considering the trade rumors? And Elon, we disagreed on this one, right? So, I replied saying that making that trade is probably low risk and high reward. And what I meant by that is I feel like I'm not as high on Clark MacArthur as you are. So, I'm not so, so confident that he's a lock, even if nothing changes with Matt Molson, that he'll do so, so much better than Molson. You know, maybe he'll get a few more points because Ottawa scores more goals and MacArthur's on a better line. So yeah, that's what I mean by low risk. Like if nothing happens, then maybe MacArthur will do a little bit better, but I don't see MacArthur scorching all of a sudden and becoming a star player that you'll cry about losing. On the other hand, if Matt Molson gets traded to a high scoring team, potentially you could get a huge reward. So I said, maybe make the trade if you're willing to take a risk. But you said, no, stick with MacArthur, right? Yeah, I think I'm a pretty risk-averse guy, and MacArthur is a known entity. Yeah, sure, maybe he's producing at a pace that's slightly unsustainable, but he is doing really well alongside Kyle Torres and Bobby Ryan when they are still playing together. And I expect him, yeah, he's had his dry runs this season, but as a whole, I think he'll do all right. Whereas Molson, I don't know what all these rumors are, and it's hard to base anything off of rumors. Right now, I see Matt Molson as a Buffalo Sabre. Sure, it's possible he won't be for a whole lot longer, but for as long as he is, his fantasy value is lower than Clark MacArthur's. And I don't feel comfortable making a trade where I'm sending a proven scorer over for somebody who might get a boost. I mean, unless you're a bubble team and that boost is going to be the difference between you making the playoffs and you missing the playoffs, I would stand pat with MacArthur. I mean, it's worth pointing out MacArthur has no points in his last five games. Matt Molson got injured, unfortunately, right before the Olympic break. But before he did, he was kind of heating up. He had three points in his last two games before getting injured. Three points in two games is like, I would say the same likelihood of happening is no points in five games. I, I think it's pretty rare for each player, at least for their recent histories. I wouldn't put too much stock into such a small set of games. You've got a point. Um, but then again, MacArthur also left with an injury in the game before the Olympic break. I don't know if it was a brand new one that happened just at that moment, or maybe it was a bit of an accumulation. I don't know. Can't speculate on that. But I, I don't know. I guess there's a, a way to see each player as the better one, and you are clearly taking the Molson side, and I'm taking the MacArthur one. <laughs> all right, well, at BeefTings, let us know what you decide to do. And it looks like that's all we've got for this week in the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. 
a shorter episode since there's not as much to discuss. We don't want to bore you with filler content. Before we sign off, I'll just mention a few things. We have a website, keepingcarlson.com. You could check it out for all of our show notes. We have a Gmail account, keepingcarlson at gmail.com. We love getting your emails. If you ask for fantasy hockey advice, we'll respond. Same goes with our Twitter, at keepingcarlson. You tweeted us, we reply. If you want to help support the show, do us a favor. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Helps us get noticed by other people. Helps keep these podcasts coming. We don't need money, but we do need listeners. Money. Listeners help support the show. They give us the lifeblood that is Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. That's very poetic. Thank you. And with that, I guess that's the end of the show. So, Brian, how about we'll cue that outro music? And you could roll the credits. Well, Elon, we didn't make extensive use of them this week, but we'll shout them all out anyway. Extraskater.com, leftwinglock.com, behindthenet.ca, dobberhockey.com, and Yahoo Sports and ESPN Fantasy Hockey. All right, well, Brian, good luck in the Olympic hockey pool, and I guess also good luck on getting Ben Bishop. I will let you know what happens. Thanks. All right, see you all next week. <laughs>